your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. And welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Make sure you check out rockauto.com for all your automotive needs. As always, I'm your host, Patrick Kahn. You can follow me on Twitter at PatSportsGuy. You can follow my co-host, Cammie, at CammieNG or the show, LO underscore Longhorns on Twitter. Check us out. Shoot us your questions. We love to talk about scenarios and questions that you got. We got a full, we got a packed show today. We're going to talk a little Tom Herman, Tony Fields, some award watch lists, where Texas is being picked to finish in the conference. And we're going to talk a little bit about some revenue. How much money does the University of Texas make? Uh, let's dive right on into it, though, Cammy. Uh, so in the life of COVID-19, the pandemic, a lot of schools are making changes, whether that's canceling games. Right. Um, you know, whether that's, you know, getting rid of sports altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen some baseball teams are losing uh, – their program altogether. I, I know Bowling Green was one. Boise State had just come back from baseball after not playing for 40 years, and now that's out the window. And there's a lot of that going on. There's coaches taking pay cuts. But as of right now, Tom Herman is not taking a pay cut. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not too surprised about that because especially over the past week, we've been reading all about uh, the financials and how much money their football program brings in, which is uh, far and away the top of any college football program. And I know it's over half of their revenue. Uh, just their football program alone. I know their boosters are really important. They have Longhorn Network that brings in, I think, around $15 million or so dollars a, a year. So I'm not too surprised that uh, Tom Herman didn't take a pay cut. But in terms of COVID, yeah, it's affecting kind of everyone all over, not just colleges. Like, obviously, everyone's uh, – not everyone, but millions of people are out of a job right now. Uh, it kind of goes for uh, coaches and uh, players at colleges and things like that. If it's not bringing in enough money or um, there's no way they can pay people or – that type of thing, then you, you're kind of out of luck at this sense, but hopefully it'll turn around within the next year or so. Yeah, in, that's, you know, the hope is that by 2021, it's back to normal, uh, back right. the way it is. I know some coaches are taking like a 10% reduction in pay. I know Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma is one of the coaches that was listed as taking a pay cut. It uh, wasn't surprising at all to me to hear that Tom Herman's not. You know, they've been kind of quiet, but, you know, Texas is a little different unlike other areas. It's because the governor has said 50% capacity mm-hmm. uh, in the state. So, you know, how how is that? It seems like they're, you know, heading in that direction still. We still don't have a final uh, decision yet, I should say, on, on whether or not they're going to play the full schedule or are they going to get rid of non-conference, go to a conference-only schedule. I mean, they still have made that decision, but it seems like everything is pointing towards playing. A yeah, full season with fifty percent capacity. Yeah, and I kind of like how Texas is moving forward in that sense. Um, uh, I know they have released today that the two the season ticket holders, I guess, that <clears throat> they were expecting a fifty percent attendance. So, I mean, you really can't prepare for anything else at this point. Um, 
I'm hoping it'll be 50% attendance, but honestly, at this point, I think um, if they have to play the full season or they are able to fit in those non-conference games and that um, entails no fans in the stands, I think people would probably be okay with that. Um, if that's the safest route to go where they could still play all of those games, I'm not sure um, how they're going to handle that, but I know the Big 12 definitely wants to try and save those non-conference games. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy with how Texas is handling it so far and preparing for that 50% attendance. Yeah, the one, uh, but we're going to dive uh, into some some big news over the weekend. Defensive back Kobe Boyce announced that he will be uh, departing from the football program, continuing his education, uh, you know, get his degree. But he is walking away from the game of football, citing mental health as the reason for walking away. And it, it just seems like that's an important thing, I think, because a lot of people aren't willing to discuss that right now. Yeah, and I'm actually really impressed and proud of him for speaking up, especially um, with his kind of stage and platform that he's on and um, just being able to uh, get those emotions out and release that. And he admitted to holding his emotions in too long and it made him feel depressed and things like that. So stepping away from football right now is likely the best uh, route for him. And we wish him all the success in the future in this next chapter of his life. But in terms of the Texas secondary, they've just kind of had a whirlwind um, of up and down news this offseason. Yeah, and, and talking about Boyce and, and mental health, and uh, for those who know me and know my story, uh, you know, I, I battled my own demons. I still do. Um, it was 2016. I, I was getting to the point where I was on the verge of committing suicide. Um, you know, the depression, the, just the wear and tear of, of daily and, and holding everything in and not talking to people. And, you know, so when I hear a story like that, you know, I, I – I relate to it a lot, and so I think it's important, and it's an important thing that I think more people should talk about. Right. Uh, people typically don't talk about it, and I, I really think that we should. So, you know, it's important. I, I wish the best for Kobe. I hope he figures out, you know, figures out a way to handle that on a daily basis and continue to make a difference in people's lives because I, I feel like he's a guy that's going to do things once he gets where he wants to go. I think he's going to be a guy who's going to really be able to make a difference and, and i'm really hoping to see how he does uh, but like you said it has been a whirlwind for for news on and off the field right and i, I know we mentioned um obviously uh, i think it was foster with the broken hand and then anthony cook and um now obviously boys so there's just been a lot of different and i guess shocking types of news coming out of the texas secondary this offseason but like we've always mentioned um we wish them the best. They're all very talented in their own way um, on and off the field. And uh, there's a lot of talent still in that secondary room uh, that I know can plug in and be successful right away. So they're still in good shape. Yeah, they're still in good shape. Um, the other news that we have here is Tony Fields, the second linebacker, plays at the University of Arizona, received an offer from the University of Texas. He put his name in the transfer portal. And as we've talked about plenty of times, I think the Longhorns do need help in their linebacker. Oh, yeah, they really um, do. Um, Juan Mitchell, right, was one of the ones that uh, was thinking about holding out. And I know uh, he's back and overshone as well. So, uh, and those are two guys that are expected to start and get significant playing time, I would say. But even the depth uh, behind them is pretty minimal and uh, very young at that position at the moment. So, yeah, I agree. I think they need to be going after that transfer portal really heavily at the linebacker position. Yeah, if you remember the 
linebacker from Iowa, Doyle. He was a guy that I thought that they should go after. He ends up uh, mm-hmm. going to Baylor instead. Um, and then there was a linebacker out of LSU, ends up going to TCU. You know, a couple guys that I thought would make an impact, but you know, Tony Fields is right up there. You know, he's a guy who can who can rush the passer for you a little bit. He can play coverage. He can play the run. You know, so I think it would be a, a huge get for Tom Herman and this team if they could secure fields to really help. Cause like you said, I mean, you have Overshone who hasn't played the position, but he's expected to start, you know, he's played defensive back safety and they're moving him up to linebacker. You have Juwan Mitchell, who's kind of, I, I really can't get a grasp on Mitchell because even earlier this year, he puts his name into the transfer portal. He pulls it out. And then with the, Black Lives Matter and the protest on the university and the, everything that they had asked for, it, it kind of seemed like unless they got what they wanted, Joan Mitchell wasn't going to be a part of it. So, again, you, it makes you wonder uh, what are they going to do at the linebacker position? You talk about behind them, they have, you know, a Reese Latow who's converting over from the offensive side of the ball. He played it in high school. He played defensive end in high school. So you think he's going to play that jack role possibly. Uh, but again, he doesn't have the experience. He doesn't have the reps. So outside of a Joseph Asai, where are you at at the linebacker position? Right. And I know we've, we've expected a lot of Dorba, but he's obviously, well, we think he's going to kind of play behind Asai in that jack role. So yeah, they're, they're, they're just very young, I guess, right now. So they need to not only be recruiting uh, very heavily at the linebacker position, um, maybe f- switch some guys over. I know um, even Overshone was switched uh, as a defensive back over to linebacker. So uh, they might have to do that with a couple other players if the depth gets uh, minimal enough. But yeah, they definitely need to land some land someone, I guess, pretty quickly. Yeah, they need to figure out who's going to be their Roshan Johnson on the defensive side of the ball. Who right. can step in and immediately make an impact and and be a positive uh, for that defensive side of the ball. Chris Ash, he's got his hands tied right now trying to figure out what he's going to do with that defense. Where's he going to put everybody? Coming up next, we're going to talk about the Doak Walker Award watch list, plus some other watch lists that have some Longhorns involved. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com. During the pandemic, we're all wanting football, so wear your mask. That's all I'm going to say. Wear your mask. Practice social distancing. But if you have a problem with your car and you still need to practice social distancing, get on your computer, get on your phone, go to rockauto.com. They got all every brand that you can think of, all the parts that you need. Easy to find for every make, every model, every different style of vehicle. And if you need it, they have it. Go online, do that. Send it right to your house. You never have to go talk to anybody at an automotive shop. You don't have to sit there and try and make the funny noises that your car is making. That's always a show. But I'm trying to keep you from having to do that. So go to rockauto.com. Tell me your friends over at Locked on Longhorn sent you. We continue watch list season, Cammy. Doke Walker Award given to the best running back in college football, this award started in 1990. Texas could potentially have another Doak Walker Award winner. They haven't had one in a couple of seasons. Last time was Deonta Foreman, who won it back in 2016, I believe. Yeah, and that was definitely deserving for Foreman. He kind of uh, carried the team that season. But, yeah, out of all of the, I guess, preseason watch list awards, this one to me personally is the least likely, and it's uh, not really shade or anything at Ingram. I know how talented he is. It's just 
primarily because of the running back by committee. There's just so much talent in that running back room uh, with Roshan Johnson and Bijan Robinson that are going to be splitting carries with him. I think that's going to, um, in terms of his overall production, kind of hinder him uh, for that award. I think uh, there's a lot of it, like Hubbard, you mentioned at Oklahoma State. I think he's probably the favorite for that. But um, there's just several other running backs that I think are going to receive uh, the majority of the carries and like Ingram. So I don't think it's likely, but um, I guess it still showcases uh, what he's capable of and his talent. So I'm sure he was excited to be on that list. Yeah, it's it's definitely – you bring up a good point about the running back by committee uh, because typically the player who wins it the last couple of years uh, has been a Wisconsin running back who, you know, constantly carried the ball consistently, you know, 200, 300 times. You don't get running backs coming in and carrying the ball the least amount of – under 200 times. And, and at this point right now, he hasn't done that. He hasn't carried the ball more than – 144 times in a single season. Uh, the last time, I think the last time was Luke Staley at a BYU. He only carried the ball 196 times, but that just shows you, and, you know, that's several years ago when that happened. I'm, so uh, not surprising. I think you're right because you're going to have a Roshan, a Bijan in the mix. I just don't see them walking away with the Doak Walker award, given that they don't have that premier give. You know, they don't have a Ricky Williams, a Donta Foreman, who's going to carry the ball for you 300 times in a season. Right. Uh, yeah, I just don't see that happening just because he's not going to be getting enough carries. And honestly, he's kind of had injury issues of his own that uh, we haven't even mentioned yet. And he's actually hurt right now. I know we mentioned this week Roshan was taking uh, first team reps in practice. So he's kind of always been not serious injuries, but he's had nagging injuries quite a bit throughout his collegiate career. So um, with that combined with just the talent and that running back room as a whole, I don't see him uh, really taking home that award. Yeah, and a couple of the awards that you won't hear on the watch list, John Mackey Award, which is given to the top tight end in college football. Uh, Texas doesn't have a tight end that was listed among their initial watch list. Uh, and then you also have the Fred Bolitnikoff Award given to the top wide receiver. Uh, I think a lot of people feel like that's going to be Jamar Chase's award. Uh, you know, he's he's kind of viewed as the top wide yeah, receiver in college football. Uh, we'll see if he has the same level of impact he had a season ago with Joe Burrow. Uh, with yeah, Justin a different Burrow. quarterback could play a play a big role in his production. So we'll see. Yeah, and that so that's going to be fun to watch. But uh, right now, I mean, outside of Brandon Eagles, I could see them like putting him on the list. But you know, there's a lot of uncertainty with that. So as of right now, preseason watch list, no wide receivers making the list. However, if you want to talk about defensive side of the ball, you got the Jim Thorpe Award given to the nation's top defensive back. Last year, it was given to Grant Delpit out of LSU. Uh, Texas fans are familiar with him. They saw uh, a Devin Duvernay just absolutely run him over. Oh, yeah. That was probably my favorite highlight of Devin DuBernay's uh, collegiate career, probably, actually. It was a fun one to watch, and especially after you won the award. I like to share that just because it was, you know, it's fun to rile up fans. They get excited. They they get excited or, or they get passionate, and then they want to fight everybody. Uh, so we're looking at the Jim Thorpe Award, and, and, of course, there's only one guy at the University of Texas who you would see on that list. Uh, Caden Stearns uh, going into his third year, and hopefully – a return to his freshman form. 
Yeah, hopefully where he was uh, as a true freshman, he was the Big 12 uh, Freshman Player of the Year. So that was obviously um, a high honor for a young player like him. I thought, um, and this is the second straight year being on the preseason watch list for that award. And probably um, if he didn't get injured, I think he missed around four games last season. He probably would have become a semifinalist or something along those lines for the award last season. But yeah, I mean, He's already on the watch list for the best overall defensive player of the year, the best defensive back. Well, outside of Caden Stearns and the Jim Thorpe Award, we have another Texas Longhorn defender who is now on a watch list for the top linebacker award. We're talking about the Dick Butkus Award and Joseph Asai. Not surprising. I think he's probably going to be Texas's uh, top defensive player uh, this season, if it's anything like his coming out party when he played at the Jack uh, role kind of in the uh, Alamo Bowl against Utah. So, yeah, I'm definitely not surprised to see that at all. Yeah, it's really not surprising. It's interesting talking with Matt Miller of Bleacher Report. And, you know, he thinks that that's where he fits best at the next level. He doesn't really see him as a good off-ball linebacker. He thinks that he would be better in that in that jack role playing, you know, pass rush and, and you know, dropping into coverage when needed. Uh, but that's where they see him. And, and obviously that's where he had the most success when, when you talk about everything he did at Utah. So not surprised we're going to see him at the Buckus Award. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that we're going to see him somewhere else on, on some more watch lists, maybe a top defensive lineman. Uh, especially if if he has another coming out party like he did. It makes me wonder if he could even get close to the award, or not award, but the record for best pass rush season as a Texas Longhorn. He he has a lot Mm -hmm. to do because it's 22 and a half sacks. Oof. That'll be a tough one to get to, but, you know, that that would be a fun one to watch, and, and hopefully he makes a run at it, but, you know, not surprising. Caden Stearns, Joseph Asai on award watch list, and it seems like as far as on the defensive side of the ball, those are the two guys that we've mentioned the most. Yeah, and I think uh, those are the most realistic and probably uh, the top two overall defensive players on Texas's roster. But I think uh, we need to watch out for uh, Deshaun Jamison, though, too. So we've mentioned how versatile he is, how much he's going to be used this season. So he's one to watch. He definitely is one to watch. So the Big 12 Conference has come out with their yearly media poll, and they're picking out who's going to win the conference and gives you a rundown, one through ten, how the teams are going to finish. Jamie, who was number one on that list? Um, Just for the Big 12 you mentioned? Yeah, just the Big 12. Yeah, Oklahoma, of course. Of course. They got them scheduled to, to win the conference yet again. Uh, number two? And number three is where it gets interesting. Yeah, I guess two, three, four is where it gets interesting to me because I kind of view it as a four-team race. Yeah, I think it is a four-team race. Uh, Number two, they had Oklahoma State, Texas finishing third, and Iowa State right behind them. Ooh. Yeah, you know what I actually saw today, though? I think it was College Football News came out with their uh, Big 12 uh, preseason poll, and they actually had TCU at number four, which I thought that was interesting, and they put uh, Iowa State at number five. So, yeah, the first four, I guess, within the Big 12 has kind of been jumbled on every single preseason poll, but we've consistently seen Oklahoma at the number one spot, and Texas kind of varies between the uh, number two and number three spot, uh, kind of tied with Oklahoma State, I would say. 
Yeah, I, I mean, and and again, we've said it time and time again. We think that that last game in Stillwater is going to be huge. It could it could be the reason why Texas does or doesn't get into the Big Twelve championship game. Exactly. And, yeah. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Herman has not won in Stillwater yet. I think the last head coach to win in Stillwater was Charlie Strong. Oh, yeah, that's – yeah, I mean, it's not an easy place to play, and we seem to have trouble with them every year. It's always a, a nail-biter or um, anxiety-ridden game. So I, I'm definitely already nervous for that game, especially uh, coming down to the end of the season. You don't know um, how healthy each roster is and things like that. But um, I'm pretty positive that that game will have a Big 12 title appearance on the line. You know, it's, and it's interesting you bring up college football news and their pick for – TCU at number four. That's that's shocking to me. And I, I say know. that because – Why why do you say that? Because they have a good defense. I get Yeah, that. they have a good they secondary, have, yeah. They have a really good defense. Uh, you don't discount those linebackers either. Garrett Wallow is one of the best linebackers in the country. Mm-hmm. And didn't they land a couple of transfers? And obviously they got uh, one of the best running backs coming in. So, I yeah, mean, yeah. And, and here's my thing is on the offensive side of the ball, I don't trust that quarterback. He's right. too inconsistent. Right. That's why I would have a hard time putting them above Iowa State, who has a proven quarterback, mm-hmm. have a good running back. They have a good defense, you know. So I, I don't know. That's it's a tough call for me. I mean, I know. Well, I think once you get beyond the top three schools in the Big Twelve, it's kind of a coin flip. I mean, you you think that you know the top three and the bottom one, bottom two probably. Right. Because you got Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, followed up with Texas in any order you want to put them, you know, however you want to do it. Uh, you look at the bottom, we all think Kansas is going to be there, West Virginia, Texas Tech. They're all in the mix for those bottom three. It's that mm-hmm. middle part where you're kind of like. Yeah, the Kansas don't. States, the Baylors, TCUs, you just, yeah, they have some talent, but you just don't know if they're going to put it together. And the fact that Baylor, it's funny to me because Baylor has the same quarterback. I know they have a brand new head coach. Mm-hmm. But they have the same quarterback and the same quarterback that led them to the Big 12 championship a year ago, mm-hmm. which I kind of like a lot of people. I kind of think this change in head coach is going to hurt them at least this year. Yeah, but uh, at the same and, time, as talented as Brewer is, he has those concussion problems and gets hurt a lot. So that's another exactly. question mark. Yeah, and that's the thing. It, your your quarterback play can only – I mean, if he plays, it's good. Mm-hmm. Brewer is a good quarterback. Uh, he comes from a line of quarterbacks. I mean, his older brother played at Texas Tech, transferred to Virginia Tech. Of course, of course his dad played quarterback. You know, so it's like they, it's in his blood. Right. But the problem is that he can't stay healthy. And that was one of the problems that his brother had uh, before transferring to Virginia Tech. He couldn't stay healthy either. And, right. and so maybe it's in his blood to play quarterback but also be hurt. Right. Yeah, uh, that's kind of unlucky. It, it is unlucky. And, and so you look, you look at that and go, okay. If Baylor's quarterback is good and he can stay healthy and he and he doesn't have the concussion problems that he's had, I think Baylor is in the conversation for top four. Right. Uh, but if it's it's bad and we think there's going to be a, a step back, you know, then yeah, that's that's where you're having that conversation. Are they better than TCU? Are they better than Iowa State? Are they better than Kansas State? You know, there, there's going to be a lot there, but I, I think really that's where that battle begins because I think we're we're pretty set on the top three. Right. I completely agree. 
you know, that's interesting. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about this. USA Today put together a database talking about the big, not just the Big 12, but all college football revenue generated. Texas Longhorns generate more revenue than any football team, any school in the country. I know, and that's just crazy to me. But so like I mentioned previously, their boosters bring in a ton of money. The Longhorn Network, I think, brings in around $15 million, um, annually. So um, they have a lot of revenue within their football program. So um, I don't know. I think what was the most surprising to me on that list was that Texas A&M came in at number two. Right. It just shows you how big football is in Texas. If you got right. two schools from Texas that are leading the way, I think Ohio State was right behind them, but Ohio State spends more than they actually bring in. Yeah, I thought that was interesting as well. Um, that's not really um, the side you want to be on, but I mean, they're still bringing in quite a bit of revenue. So they're up there. So if they're spending more than they're making, does that mean they're paying the players? Uh, who, who, who the heck knows over there? Uh, yeah, but, uh, but another thing that's interesting is you were looking at the percentage that comes in from football. And uh, as far as the Big 12 is concerned, no school has a larger percentage that is generated from their football program than the University of Texas. 72% of Texas revenue is generated from football. Next closest, I believe, was Oklahoma at 66%. Uh, so that's, that's significant. The Texas gets a, a big majority of their money, you know, and the reason I bring that up is if the big 12 has to cancel some programs or, you know, just close the doors completely on them because of the revenue issues, because of the COVID-19 rest assured that football is what brings in all the money for mm-hmm. the university of Texas. So I think if people are worried about revenue being generated, it, they're probably not going to worry too much because most of that money is coming from Texas football. Right, exactly. And I think that also uh, uh, put some urgency in the Big 12 Conference as a whole and wanting to play this football season because they know how much money uh, they make off the football programs and things like that. So um, they're definitely vocal about uh, wanting to try and play a full season. So we'll see what happens. We definitely will. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Lockdown Longhorns podcast. For Tammy, I'm Patrick. You keep it locked on. Welcome.